The Vikings trade Steven Weatherly away. We'll talk about that, but for most of the show, we are going to talk about the running backs. There's a lot of talk about Alexander Madison replacing Dalvin Cook in the long term. Not a huge fan of the idea. Let me explain here on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome in, everybody, to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making the Locked On Vikings podcast your first listen of the day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. This show is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Come check out YouTube. We're going to use the visual aids a little bit in this episode as well. So we got to talk about the Stephen Weatherly trade. Vikings trade Stephen Weatherly away to the Broncos. Uh, but first, I want to actually, fo- we'll, we'll get to that at the end of the show. I want to focus on the running backs. This is a conversation I've been meaning to have. I've got an article, article coming out at Zone Coverage. Of course, it was the bye week. So we don't have a game to talk about or anything like that. Uh, Packers beat Washington. Bears got destroyed by Tampa. Their second uh, complete and utter meltdown catastrophe in four weeks. Lions almost stole one against the Rams. Couldn't do it. So uh, one and two NFC North on our bye week. That's a reasonable result, as reasonable as you can expect, at least. Uh, But really, I want to talk about that Weatherly trade. But mostly I want to talk about the running back. So we'll get to the Weatherly trade. Don't you worry. We'll get to it at the end of the show. Um, But... Let me talk about the running back. So I have seen this idea all around about Alexander Madison being the, maybe the running back of the future for the Vikings. And I, I sympathize with the desperation, the de- desire to get a, a running back on his second contract, Alvin Cook. That means he costs real boy money, although that money hasn't kicked in yet. He made five million last year, six million this year. It's not a ton. Um, but next year it'll be 12 million and it's kind of hard to get out of it. And then it goes up to like 13 or 15 or something like that. Like then it gets really big. Right. And we'll see how we feel about it in those years. But I'm sympathetic to the desire to maybe want to get up out from under that contract. You know, you never want to pay a running back. Um, so when Alexander Madison gets a couple of, you know, pretty good games here, he starts to twice against Seattle and Detroit and he plays really well, um, seems to, you know, the running game seems to work. He gets over a hundred yards and stuff that, you, you know, the wheels start to turn. Um, but I want to, I guess, caution you a little bit because here's the deal. And I will lay out this ar- argument in a lot of detail. Alexander Madison is not as good as Dalvin Cook and in such a way that it impacts the offense. Now, there's a lot of stuff out there about running backs not matter. Basically, it can be whoever. So just go with whatever is cheaper. Um, and, you know, running backs can be anybody. I fought for that for two years, three years on this show. But my tune has changed a little bit as I've learned more about how the running game works. And I want to kind of try to share that knowledge with you. Um, But first, let me catch you up. If you are unfamiliar, um, so here is the running backs don't matter argument essentially boils down to if you want to look at how much a running play gets, look at the run blocking, not necessarily the ball carrier. If there's a hole, anybody can run through it. If there isn't a hole, anybody can get tackled in the backfield. That's roughly the argument. The other argument is that, you know, running plays just don't get a lot of yards. So who cares about 
nurturing it. You know, it's four yards or five yards per carry. Who cares? Um, but mostly it's that running backs don't like own their production as much. And I'm definitely sympathetic to that. I mean, the, the, the run game is like a big symbiotic mess with every, you know, seven, eight players all kind of coming together and, and how each one of those does has its role in how the run play works. I think in the age of zone runs, runs aren't as fragile as I think they used to be. Uh, you know, you before you would have, all right, you've got seven run blocks. And if one person fails at their run block, um, then, you know, the whole play is broken. But that's if one person like catastrophically fails and allows penetration. Then, yeah, that can break the whole run play, right? But failing or succeeding at a run block, a lot of times that means getting to the shoulder you're meant to get to. You want to get to the left shoulder, the right shoulder of the, the defender that you're blocking. And if you can get around him, great. And if you can't, then, you know, the run gets harder. But zone runs kind of adjust for that. So let me give you a quick primer on zone runs and how zone runs work so that I can kind of try to illustrate to you that the difference between Al uh, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison is not only valuable, but to choose Madison over Cook, I think would be malpractice. I think that would be a fireable offense to get rid of Dalvin Cook so that you ha went for, for Alexander Madison. I really like I think that would be unfathomably dumb. I'm real, real low on Alexander Madison, so I'm going to go hard on this. But before I do that, let me give you a quick zone run primer. If you are unfamiliar with how zone runs work or how the reads work, I'll give you a quick like framework. Uh, and for this, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, we'll go to the whiteboard, which is just a Photoshop document that I draw on sometimes. Um, but I'll be plenty descriptive. So if you're in your car or whatever, don't worry about it. You don't need to see the visuals. They might help you, though, if, if you have the option. So on the screen, I have a little drawing of like what the different zone run calls are inside zone, mid zone and outside zone. And you can probably guess what those are. Inside zone goes up the two innermost gaps, the ones on either side of the center. If it's inside zone, that means the, the uh, play is designed to go up. Those are called the A gaps. It's designed to go up the A gaps between the center and guard on the left or right side. Mid zone is one gap further out. That's between the guard and the tackle. Those are the B gaps. And outside zone is anything outside of that. So if you're going off tackle, if you're going up between a tackle and a tight end, or if you're going way out to the, you know, over to the sideline, um, that's outside zone. That's not all of how it works. There are lots of variants and stuff that like will change it and move sh and shift stuff and all that stuff. Um, don't worry about that too much for a general framework. And just so we're all speaking the same language, you can think of inside zone as a gaps, mid zone as B gaps, outside zone as C gaps. And then there are zone reads. So if you imagine a mid zone run, let's say it goes between the left tackle and the left guard. And then let's say that everybody wins their block and we're all really happy. And you've got a nice hole to run through. That's called a bang read. You bang it right up the, the gap you were supposed to. A bend read is uh, if you have to bend the, the run back. Let's say that the guard does not win his block. If there is a person in your gap and you have to cut the run back toward the middle or even across the formation for like a true cutback, that's called a bend read. And you'll actually see in zone runs, they aren't really like jump cutting. They're really like kind of smoothly bending it back. So that's a bend read, and then there's a bounce read, which is kind of the opposite. If for whatever reason something goes wrong, there's something preventing you from cutting back, and you can't go up the other side as well, you bounce the read, and that's bouncing it outside. Um, or, you know, if you just don't feel like you, if you feel like you want to bounce it because you're Dalvin Cook and you can just do that, you bounce the read outside. So bounce reads go outside of where the play was meant to go, bend reads go inside of where the play was meant to go, and bang reads go exactly where the play was meant to go. That means everything worked out and you're going with plan A. There's like zone counter stuff, there's ISO, there's all sorts of variants, stuff you don't have to worry about. But know generally that when you're a running back and you're reading zone, um, you are looking at the leverage that linemen have. If 
the, the the general logic is if the defender gets on the guy's left shoulder, you go right. If he gets on the guy's right shoulder, you go left. And if you're really good, Dalvin Cook's a god at this, uh, you make it look like you're going right. The defender will win over onto the right shoulder, um, or he doesn't, and you just go to the right. But you start off to the right, and then the defender wins that shoulder. You cut it back over to the left shoulder, and suddenly you rescued your lineman's block, who was defeated before, and now he's not. Because again, a lot of the, the battle between a defender and a blocker on a run play is, I want to be on your outside shoulder you want to be on my outside shoulder um and you know we're gonna kind of see who wins that fight who kind of gets to the right shoulder but a good running back can make it so that the defender is wrong every single time whether or not the lineman wins his block and that is the beauty of zone that's why it works so well um and so those reads and those decisions are really 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 quick they have to be split second. You basically have to know exactly where you're going by the mesh point of the run. By the time you get the ball, you don't exactly have time to sit back there and hesitate and, and you know, kind of cut around and dance with your feet. These holes close up in like a blink of an eye. So you have to be really, really quick at processing. You have to be right a lot and you have to be decisive about it. You have to go pick a gap and attack it. And in that, it, it offers a lot of opportunities for a bad running back to sink an otherwise well-blocked play. And that's where we see a lot of the deficiencies of Alexander Madison, which I will talk about in a second. Uh, but first, I wonder how y'all uh, watched football on the bye week. Of course, there's no Vikings game. But if you were watching Red Zone or something, maybe you've got one login for that. And you've got like a device, like a smart TV or something. You're watching highlights on your phone of something else. Um, you know, you're watching something else is going on on demand. If somebody isn't watching football or there's like too many logins and devices. And you, you've seen the commercials for DirecTV stream, right? You can get your TV together with all of that. Consolidate all of that into one login for all of your live and on demand favorites only with DirecTV stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. So hopefully you understand the basics of a zone read. What you need to know um, is what inside, mid, and outside zone just refers to the gap that the zone run was meant to go toward. And a bounce read is outside that gap, a bend read is inside that gap, and a bang read is up that gap. That's all you need to know about a zone run scheme for the basics. If you want to learn more, there's infinitely more complexities to that, but don't worry about it for now. Um, if you have that, then you can kind of understand where I'm getting at when I talk about the running back's vision. Because if you make the wrong decision there, or if you take too long to make that decision, you can leave meat on the bone. Leave plays out there that might have already otherwise been there for a better running back. And that's the problem I see when you, you talk about running back vision. A lot of times that's what I'm talking about. And again, zone runs are not, there is a plan A, hey, this one was supposed to go up the B gap. But I would say of all zone runs, probably like 40% of them go up the gap that they're originally meant to. Like, it's kind of like playing quarterback. How many plays go to the first read? And if you go to the third read and it's a first down, was it a bad play? Yeah, sure. First and second read weren't there. And there's a lot of reasons that could happen. But if you got there, you got there, right? It's a progression. Um, so offensive coordinators, coaches are not saying, all right, well, first time we're going to go behind, you know, Cleveland and, and Christian Derrissaw. And then the second time we're going to go behind Ula Udo and Brian O'Neill. And you're not doing all that, right? Um, you're giving it to the running back and the running back is making that choice, not based on matchup, but based on, oh, hey, Cleveland won his block. I'm going to go behind his left side because he kept, you know, because he sealed off that left side. And if he didn't seal off that left side, then I'll bounce it off to the other side, assuming the tackle did what he was supposed to do and all that. Um, and so that's where the battle is. Alexander Madison's really bad at this. I think in specificity, he bounces too much. And that's that's the that's if I were the running back coach or if I were in the running back room, I would say he's bouncing too many. You got to tell him to, to chill on that. Um, and a lot of that 
is not only that sometimes it's just the wrong read. Sometimes he is just taking space that isn't there. He is going to a side of a block where the defender is rather than where the defender isn't. Um, and that's just kind of locking into the first idea of the play call, locking into the design a little bit, not seeing the field, not thinking on the fly. And he's in year like seven in his own scheme because he ran it in college too. So if he doesn't have it now, he's not going to have it ever. Um, and he just doesn't have that that killer instinct when it comes to those run plays. But also, um, he overestimates his ability to get around the edge. When you bounce a run, you're now usually racing a corner, maybe a safety, um, or maybe a lot. You're racing somebody to the sideline and you need to be able to turn the corner. And Dalvin Cook has done this a million times. Dalvin Cook is way better at this than he has any right to be. Alexander Madison is not Dalvin Cook and he can't get around to those edges. And that's not necessarily a problem in and of itself, but he's got to stop testing that. That's not his game. He's a bowling ball and he needs to bowl people. Um, I, I would much rather see him go north south and hit a guy for, you know, four yards in a cloud of dust than try to bounce something around and get himself in a speed race that's not his game and then lose to doing it. It's just not who he is as a running back. So he bounces them out too much. But also that kind of leads me to some problems with his burst. And when I say burst, some of that is athleticism. Some of that is just short area quickness and acceleration um, that he's like, it's OK. But a lot of that is footwork, too. Because when you are, say, bending a read, so that means you're cutting it back. This is not the old Adrian Peterson jump cuts of old. This is not, uh, you know, like a one cut go kind of cut back like a counter run or something like that, like you would see LaDainian Tomlinson do in the old days. It's a very smooth, I call it like a slalom ski sometimes with, with Dalvin Cook when he does it. But when Madison does it, there's way too many steps. He takes four or five steps to do what Dalvin Cook does in one or two. And those steps take time. And that time means more time your O-line needs to block. And I don't know if you heard, but the Vikings have struggled on O-line for a while. And asking more of them isn't really the best idea. So when, when he kind of, I call them little pitter-patters, when he kind of has to pitter-patter to stop his direction going, his momentum going one direction and then cut back going the other direction, it's it's laborious. And even when he jump cuts, he, he does have a jump cut, but it's also laborious and, and slow. And it's this really like lumbering, really kind of over-involved movement that takes too long. And it doesn't surprise anybody because everybody on the defense, the defense, they have eyes and brains and everything, and they can watch you do that jump cut and then adjust their angle. Um, and if your jump cut takes too long, you give them the time to adjust that angle and you remove the the whole point of doing the jump cut anyways. So it's a problem there. There's, um, you know, his his actual athleticism tested three cone and stuff. I think there's that's fine. I don't have too much of a problem with the way that that at least appears functionally, but it's mostly his footwork just isn't smooth. And again, he's in like year seven of drilling this. If he doesn't have it by now, he's not going to have it. So I don't think that that is like of the caliber you need to have as a starting running back. Now, as a backup running back, I'm a little more okay with it as long as he remains true to who he is. I don't hate in a zone run scheme, a backup running back that just bangs every read and hits a guy and bowls through them. You're just kind of spelling the real guy. You're not going to expect those runs to get as many yards um, and you're not going to expect those runs to like super break forward. And he's pretty good at hitting a guy falling forward. I mean, we saw that touchdown versus the Lions, right? Really good at bouncing through contact, falling forward, fighting for extra yards and all that stuff. That's what I, that's a perfect backup running back trait. Um, so I, I like Alexander Madison as a backup. But the second we start talking starter, all these problems come in. And then there is just the athleticism. So we can't get the edge. We kind of talked about that. But also there's certain playbook options you can't do, you know, outside zone where you where where the the kind of original plan is to go outside that 
is so much harder to do when you don't have the acceleration and the top end speed and stuff when you can't get around those edges even when the the plan is to do it um and part of that is so the vikings have actually run some power and all power is it's a pretty standard run play but usually that means somebody is pulling from the back side of the play to go block on the front side of the play so you have you know a left say the run's going right you have a left guard and he pulls over and goes and blocks on the right he, he blocks outside brian o'neill you got cleveland and o'neill next to each other and that's supposed to give you a numbers advantage right um but when that guy pulls out of his gap, usually there's a linebacker who sees a big giant chasm and a free way to get right into the backfield. And if that guy shoots that gap, he's going to go unblocked usually directly after the running back. And the point is that guy's kind of starting from behind. He's on the backside of the play. He's got to get all the way in the backfield. Usually he's not lined up directly on the line of scrimmage or anything like that. So you have kind of an opportunity to just let that guy fire off into the backfield. And if he doesn't get to the running back, then he's taking himself out of the play. Great. You take it. But if the running back is so slow that that linebacker can catch up to him, and this happens to Alexander Madison, you kind of can't run the play at all. Because then one of the biggest advantages of the play becomes one of the biggest weaknesses of the play, which is that backside linebacker being so enticed to take himself out of the play is actually now enticed to put himself directly into the play. And that sucks. That's going to ruin a lot of plays. And there's nothing you can do about it other than make your running back faster. And yeah, that means taking the slow guy out of there. So... They kind of didn't do a great job with power. That's a lot of why those running, uh, the running game kind of failed against Detroit when he was there. I mean, he got the one big 48 yarder and that's part of it and everything. But if you look at it statistically, it's a drop in the bucket compared to all the plays that he ruined over that time. So Alexander Madison's bad. I'm sorry. He's not a starter. And the idea that you should be bad at a position just to be cheaper at the, that position is something I will never abide. Even at running back that everybody says doesn't matter. I, I can never abide getting bad and cheap. I would much rather be expensive and good than bad and cheap. Of course, you'd rather be cheap and good if you can swing it. That's great. But given the choice between bad and, and cheap and expensive and good, please give me expensive and good. I want good players, not bad players. And it's kind of never any more complex than that. We also still have that Stephen Weatherly conversation to have. So we're going to do that in a sec. But first, let me talk to you about gas prices it sucks they go up what's the deal with that right that let's what if we could do something about that well you can do something about that you go to the uh, google play or itunes app store and you can get the get upside app it's a free app you download it you go to the pump and it can save you money at the pump you get cash back 25 cents a gallon at the pump if you drive a lot that adds up to like two three hundred bucks a month like that is not insignificant change just for getting the get upside app it is a free app at the apple uh, at the app store or, or google play and if you enter promo code touchdown when you sign up you can get an additional 25 cents per gallon off at the pump on your first tank so that's 50 cents a gallon in total 350 sounds like a bad gas price does three dollars sound better because that's what you're getting now at the pump with the get upside app enter promo code touchdown that's your first tank that is again the get upside app promo code touchdown i also want to talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet built bar is absolutely delicious covered in 100 chocolate and it's not going to knock you off the wagon it's low in sugar low in carbs high protein high fiber 
And it's even keto-friendly if you're doing the keto thing. Comes in a bunch of delicious flavors that taste like a candy bar. It tastes like you're cheating, but it's not a cheat day. It's a Built Bar. So head on over to BuiltBar.com or Built.com. They have nine main series flavors. You can get a sampler, which is like two of each. That's my recommendation until you know what you like. Or you can get there's a bunch of specialty flavors that come by the Built.com website as well. So check back every once in a while. That is at Built.com. You can enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Get 15% off of your next order. That is promo code LOCKED15, all one one word at built.com so let's talk about the news of the weekend which is the vikings trading stephen weatherly away to the broncos uh the broncos take on all the cap we'll talk about that in a second but the real compensation is a swap of seventh round picks the vikings get the broncos seventh round pick in 2022 and we give them our seventh round pick in 2023 so we take a, a pick from two years from now move it up into next year that's what we get back for stephen weatherly but also we get to dump all the cap so he signed originally i think a two million dollar base salary with a five hundred thousand dollar signing bonus um, and so we took 500 K off of that at the beginning of the season. We basically made him take a pay cut or be cut. So we took that pay cut. So he was only making 1.5 million over the course of the year. Here's about a third of the way done a little more than a third of the year of the way done six out of 17 games. And, uh, so he was still due a little under a million dollars. And now that million dollars goes over to the Broncos. That's all the cap stuff that happens here. So we dump about a million bucks. We give them Stephen Weatherly. They were really, really hurting for bodies at uh, defensive end. So we don't have Stephen Weatherly anymore. What that means for the Vikings, of course, in addition to getting a year up on their <laughs> seventh round pick and a million bucks in cash, like it's not much that you get back. But he also, I mean, he didn't cost the Vikings anything to sign, right? I don't even think he affected their comp formula because they had already kind of torpedoed that with like Peterson and Tomlinson and stuff. Um, so I, I don't think that there was really much cost in having him. You get him for six games, you unload him. That's fine, I guess. They already got a six-round comp back for him in the first place when he signed with the Panthers uh, last year. So whatever, right? But really what this means is that that's one less body in the defensive end room, and that defensive end room was a little crowded considering what Everson Griffin had done. Weatherly and Wanham, when we started this year, Weatherly and Wanham were, were competing for a starting role. Wanham won that competition. He's not been great. Uh, he's been pretty uninspiring, to be honest, but he's been getting better every every uh, week. I want to kind of do a more dedicated watch of him before I dump on him too bad. Um, but really, the story has been Everson Griffin, who signs in the middle of camp and comes in and has looked like his old self. He's been kind of a star next to Daniel Hunter. So really, you've got the Griffin-Hunter thing back. Wanham is a rotational guy. Weatherly was sort of an odd man out after that. Plus, you've got a rookie who hasn't even really been active. He's gotten absolutely no run at all. You can get Patrick Jones in here now. There's been a lot of noise made about rookie snaps and about like how much there's kind of a tweet about how like the Vikings, I think they probably are still dead last in the league and how many snaps rookies are playing for them. And that's not necessarily a stat you want to be too high in. Like the Jets are, I think, the highest and you don't want to be the Jets, right? But you can still hope to get like something out of your rookie class. Now, Darisaw is in, so we'll get a little bit of that. You might see some Wyatt Davis soon. Um, but you're not going to see much Chaz Surratt. You're not going to see much Kellen Mond. You're not going to see much from the day three guys. You might see some Ken A. Wanglu now that uh, Amir Abdullah is out. And hey, maybe that'll be better than Madison, who I just dumped on for like 15 minutes. Um, so maybe there's something from that. But really, Patrick Jones is also in that conversation. Of course, Janarius Robinson is on uh, IR. And uh, then you've got Zach Davidson, who didn't make a team, and Jalen Twyman, who got shot. So like, there's nice draft class, right? And people are s sort of panicking about the draft class because they're not getting in. Patrick Jones could get in here. Um, those snaps go to somebody, and either that's more DJ Wanham snaps, but maybe they have a balance there that they like. Um, uh, 
snaps, I think, are going to continue to open up as we get later in the year. And we have to be more and more and more careful about Everson Griffin. And the only thing stopping Everson Griffin from just being an every down starter is his age and management of fatigue and workload management and stuff. So as the year goes on, I have a feeling that you're going to have to manage his workload more and more and more and more as you know he gets more tired and more banged up and stuff. Um, so maybe that's more of an opportunity for Patrick Jones to get in. I kind of thought Patrick Jones was better than Weatherly and Wanham in the preseason. I think that was a hot take. The Vikings absolutely disagree with me. So, you know, grain of salt, but I don't know. I liked what I saw. I really liked the way that he pursued on the backside. I really liked the way that he squeezed cutback lanes and gaps and stuff. I really liked the way he defended the option, which... We got Justin Fields twice. We have Lamar Jackson. We got option teams coming up. And I thought Patrick Jones defends the option like as an asset of his, not just, oh, he looks like a fine pro doing like he looks like a starter option defender. Um, And, he, and I, I had that about him in college, too. It's just I mean, the ACC is like all options. So he's got a lot of experience. And I really like that about him. And I really want to get him more run. So hopefully we can get a little bit more out of Patrick Jones here. Um, and maybe, you know, as Everson Griffin wanes, hopefully Jones can wax or maybe DJ Wanham can come together a little bit more as well. And hopefully he can continue to improve again. I, I don't love what I've seen from him, but if he's improving, that's great. Right? So this is all to say Weatherly gone. We kind of got nothing back in return. Uh, I guess that's fine because we're deep. Oh, and a lot of people mentioned Kenny Willekes as well. Maybe thinking Kenny Willekes should come up off the practice squad. I don't think he's like secretly ranks ahead of Patrick Jones. Um, obviously you're not going to cut, you know, the third round rookie, even if he was worse than Kenny Willekes. I disagree that he was worse than Kenny Willekes, especially at edge rusher. I thought Kenny Willekes was pretty bad at defensive tackle. I thought Kenny Willekes was better. Um, so he was kind of moved to like a hybrid version of that role, but right now you've got James Lynch and Armin Watts, uh, kind of taking up those snaps and Michael Pierce should hopefully be back soon if Mike Zimmer is ever to be believed about an injury. Um, so I don't think it's time for Kenny Willekes yet. He's still waiting in the wings, but I think Patrick Jones probably gets snaps before Willekes based on what I saw in preseason, not based on like draft, uh, stock or anything like that. But based on what I saw in preseason, I would give Jones reps before Kenny Willekes, you know purely unbiased way but obviously it's a lot easier to just activate the guy on your roster rather than you know it's getting bringing a guy up in the practice squad and playing him instead and all that stuff especially considering that he only really played well at the position that's not even in contention here so all of that's a lot of roster analysis for one little trade but i figure that's all stuff that i've seen that i felt needed to be addressed if there's other stuff that needs to be addressed why don't you just ask me about it because tomorrow is twitter tuesday that means send me your questions at luke Brunt nfl or at locked on vikings you can dm them you can send an email to locked on vikings podcast at gmail.com you can fill out the google form that's in the show notes leave a youtube comment leave a comment on discord do whatever you want as long as i see it i'll try to get it answered i will answer all of those on the show tomorrow I will see you then. Thank you so much for making Locked on Vikings your first listen of the day. Peacock and Williamson should be your second listen. They're doing the national show, probably going to talk about the weird demise of the Chiefs and uh, are the Bengals for real and all that crazy stuff going on in the AFC. So go check that out for the national angle. I will see you all tomorrow for Twitter Tuesday. And as always, Skull.